This past Sunday morning, um, Nate had wrapped up a series of studies over sorrow to joy and the Christian and anxiety or depression. And, you know, as he was going through Psalm 102, I started reading through Psalm 103, just kind of seeing what followed. And it was really encouraging to me reading through it. And I thought that it kind of stayed on that same topic, not that it you know, really needs any more than Nate put into it. And I was kind of hesitant to go ahead with this study since it kind of uh, pairs up with what he was teaching on and Nate does such an awesome job and I didn't want anybody to think I was trying to add something that I thought Nate missed. He, he did an awesome job, so please don't think that at all. But uh, Psalm 103 I thought was very encouraging, so I wanted to spend a little more, more time studying it myself and I hope that it'll be encouraging to you too. Um, you know, sometimes when we're sad or we're depressed, it's because of little more than just focusing on the wrong things at the time. Not that there's, you know, not actual problems that are in our life, but a lot of times when we just sit and, uh, you know, stew on it uh, for a while, it, it becomes more than what it really is. Uh, we stop looking, our, looking at our situation from a truly objective perspective, and instead we're just focusing on those things that aren't going right for us, you know, right then at that moment. Uh, we're focusing on that loved one that we lost, or uh, we're focusing on the health that we had one time but we don't enjoy anymore, or we're focusing on that relationship that we were really hoping was going to work out um, and it went sour, or the job that we lost or that we didn't get offered, or whatever it may be. There's a lot of things that can happen in our lives that can uh, get us down, and you know, and if we're not dwelling on what has been going wrong. We might be dwelling on what other people have that we don't. You know, well, that person, why are they prettier than I am? Or why do they uh, have more money? Or why are they more successful? Or have more fun? Or more friends, it seems like? Or whatever it may be. And this is a problem that can be remedied to a great extent uh, by just being honest with ourselves about our true situation. You know, we get uh, focused on the trees instead of the forest sometimes. And Nate discussed on Sunday morning in Psalm 102, of, you know, how the writer was conscious of God's sovereignty. And no matter what our situation is, um, God is still God and we're still his creation. And that's a great perspective to have. But as Nate was mentioning when he was wrapping up uh, that study on Sunday morning, you know, he was saying, I mean, this is a great conclusion to have. And God is always God. And we need to keep that in mind, whether we're having good days or bad days, but it may not really give us the warm fuzzies to just think about, okay, well, God's sovereign, so I just need to suck it up and get on with my life, even though that's, that's true. Um, it's a fact that God's sovereign, but he loves us too. And Sam and Eva June, you know, my kids, they may know that I'm their dad and what I say goes uh, just because of the fact that I'm their dad, you know, because I said so. Um, but it helps them to know that I also love them and I'm doing my best to work things out for their own good. And Psalm 103, uh, could also be a great psalm to read if maybe you're being haunted by, you know, things that have happened in your past that you're not so proud of. Um, and sometimes you feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, I don't know, it's kind of dragging you down of what's happened in your past. Um, as we read through this psalm, uh, you'll recognize, I'm sure, that there's been a lot of songs uh, that have been written over the last, well, I mean, I guess since this psalm has been written, there's a lot of other songs that have been written based on words from this, and I'm sure a few will come to your mind as we read through. So let's go ahead and just read through this psalm in its entirety. It's 22 verses long. Um, the heading for this psalm is Praise for the Lord's Mercies. 
It's a psalm of David. So starting in verse 1, David writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame, he is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And when the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear or revere him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So probably what stands out <clears throat> to us, you know, the most reading through that is the number of times, the seven times that Bible, that David directs uh, to bless the Lord. And we see that phrase repeated over and over again. He bookends the psalm with that directive. Uh, we know he begins in verses 1 and 2 with that, and then he wraps up with it. And between those instances, David is giving uh, reasons why we should bless the Lord. But what does that mean to bless the Lord? And how can we, being his creation, and we're imperfect and weak, and he's uh, you know, self-sufficient. How can we bless God? What does that mean? Uh, looking at Strong's Concordance, uh, this Hebrew word for bless uh, says to kneel by implication to bless God as an act of adoration and can be used vice versa uh, as a blessing to man as a benefit. So uh, David is directing his soul and everything within him to adore and to praise God. So, like we said, although God is self-sufficient and he lacks nothing, there are things that he wants. And thankfully, one of the things that he wants is, you know, for us to love him and to praise him and to adore him. And uh, he cares what our mindset is towards him. At the end of verse 2, uh, David says to forget none of the benefits of the Lord. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our own situation or we get so caught up in just thinking about the overwhelming judgment of God that's to come, uh, which is definitely real. But sometimes we get so focused on those things that we, uh, we lose sight of the benefits 
of God. You know, if we're just thinking about the judgment. So while God is a God of judgment, he doesn't take pleasure in our punishment. It's just something that he has to do due to his nature. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11, God speaks to Ezekiel saying, Say to them, and them being the children of Israel, to say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? So have we all sinned? Yes. And if we don't turn from our sin, will God send us to hell and will he punish us? Yes. Um, absolutely. But that isn't what makes God happy. And starting in verse 3, David lists some of the benefits um, of God that uh, he charges himself never to forget. So I've tried to condense these benefits over from verses 3 through 17 because a lot of them are very similar. So I'll try to group them together and then we'll just make some brief comments on those. Uh, starting in verse 3, uh, David says that he pardons all our iniquities. Also in verse 9, he says he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. And verse 10, he says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And verse 12, he speaks of how as far as the east is from the west, uh, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So, you know, it's very encouraging reading over that and thinking about what that means, that, you know, God didn't have to send <clears throat> Jesus. We could be living in a world right now that's full of sin with no escape from it and no way to ever obtain forgiveness from God. Uh, we could be living in a world where it's just everybody's best guess as to what's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. Uh, you know, earlier in this psalm, <clears throat> he speaks of uh, how he made his, known, made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. Um, you know, it wasn't a requirement of God that he... You know, lay out his desires for us and what we, what's right and what's wrong, what makes him happy, what doesn't. Um, we could have lived in a world where God didn't speak to man and didn't send Jesus to teach God's will more perfectly. Uh, there was no requirement for God to do any of those things, but he did because, thankfully, he loves us and he's a God who is uh, eager to pardon our iniquities. And surely this is a reason to bless the Lord, as David says. Uh, secondly, in verse 3, uh, David points out that God is a God who heals all your diseases. So while God provides spiritual healing, which is most important, he also many times uh, allows physical healing. There are many times that we're ill and God grants us our health back. And he has control over our health. And as we see from the book of Job, he knows our physical state. He keeps up with each one of us and how we're doing. And it's up to him, you know, what we're allowed to endure. And there have been many times in my lifetime, and I'm sure yours as well, that we've had, you know, either family members or we've had uh, brothers or sisters in Christ uh, who have been facing unfavorable diagnoses or some serious illness. And God has answered prayers to provide healing. Uh, you know, one of the first ones that comes to mind with me is Brother Johnny Fisher. You know, it was thought for so long that he didn't have much time left, and he just kept on going, and he kept teaching, and uh, all the 
great things that he did, you know, even after he was given, you know, a really bad diagnosis. And certainly that was answered prayers. And that's a testament to this that David is speaking of, how God is a God who heals our diseases. He extends our life. So, I mean, is healing what's always best for us? No. Uh, we all get old and our bodies wear out eventually or accidents happen and we lose portions of our health. And, you know, I have to believe that this serves a purpose in and of itself. Uh, it's not just to, you know, make us suffer for the fun of it. Um, you know, I don't know if it's kind of a final sobering up for us whenever we're entering the end of our days. Uh, it slows us down and makes us think and makes us realize that, you know, we're not so much in control of our lives as we thought we were maybe whenever we were younger and when we were teenagers and, you know, thinking back on some of the things that you do when you're, you're younger, just being careless and, uh, you know, you never had an injury that you haven't recovered from or something that didn't heal up within a couple of days and you get older and that changes and you start thinking, okay, you know, I, I don't have as much control over this as I thought I did and uh, I'm not invincible. And you start looking to who it is that allows us to, to enjoy these blessings. So yes, we all have to endure a loss of health at some point, but we have also been the recipient of great amounts of healing over our years uh, that we should be very thankful for, and also for the healing uh, that God has provided to our loved ones over the years. Another benefit that David mentions, as in verse 4, he says, who redeems your life from the pit? So I think this one kind of ties into the first and second that we talked about. You know, God forgives our iniquities, so in that way, uh, he's redeeming our soul from the pit of hell. Um, he also provides healing from diseases, as we just mentioned. And, you know, I would also have to believe that one of the things that was on David's mind whenever he wrote that um, was the many battles that he delivered him and the children of Israel from um, that redeemed his physical life from the pit of physical death and allowing them to, to fight another day. In verse 4, uh, David mentions uh, that one of the benefits of God is he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. Uh, this is in verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. Now, when you're thinking about that and you look up at the sky and think about how high it is, and, you know, that's how much that uh, God loves us. But it has a qualifying term there that we'll talk about a little bit more in a little bit. Um, it says that it's great toward those who fear him. So we also need to be mindful of that. In verse 13, he writes, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, it's really hard as a parent sometimes, uh, you know, being consistent with discipline. Um, you know, we tell kids what they need to do and, but we, we see their potential and we know how good they can be at times and uh, we love them so much and it's hard to, to sometimes not let things slide instead of, you know, being consistent with discipline because you want to be compassionate. You want things to be good. You don't want them to be upset at you. You don't want uh, you also don't want them to grow up to be spoiled and all that. So it's kind of a balancing act that you're always trying to figure out as a parent, but there's always that strong pull of compassion to try to uh, 
you know, give your kids another chance and, and all that. So it says, you know, just as a father has compassion on his children, you know, that's how the Lord looks at us. He sees our potential and he sees the good that we've done um, of our lives at times and uh, he has compassion on us. And verse 14 says, for he himself knows our frame and he is mindful that we are but dust. You know, he recognizes that we're weak. Um, he, he knows the struggles that we have and because, you know, of Jesus and uh, coming to this earth and living as a man and enduring all the things that we've gone through and uh, being able to endure pain and suffering and sickness and hunger and all those things that he subjected himself to for our benefit, uh, he understands our nature and he shows compassion on us knowing that. And verse 15 says, as for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field. So he flourishes uh, when the wind is passed over it, it is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear or revere him and his righteousness to children's children. So, you know, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that God takes, you know, lightly our eternal destination. You know, we're all gonna die at some point. Uh, but as David's writing here, God knows that our days are like grass and he knows that whenever they're over, they're over. And we don't have another chance after we die. You know, our soul keeps living, but it's, if we didn't live right, then we're going to hell. So I believe that he, he truly tries to give us every opportunity that he can um, to allow us to change our ways because he understands that, you know, once it's over for us, it's, it's over. Uh, but he has compassion on us knowing that. And his loving kindness, David writes, is from everlasting to everlasting. So he, he knows the number of hairs on each of our heads. Uh, he looks for each straying child, just like the father watched for the prodigal son's return. And he rejoices when we make that decision to believe and to obey the gospel and to devote ourselves to him. And he's, he's watching us and he monitors our steps and he makes sure that we're never tempted beyond what we can bear. And you know, that's not because of anything other than God's will there. Cause you know, the devil's not gonna take it easy on us. He's not going to feel bad for us and have compassion or uh, loving kindness or any of those things. So, you know, if he could ever find a, a chink in that protection uh, that God provides for us, then he would take it. But God has promised never, not one time to allow us to endure more than we can withstand because he's loving and he's compassionate. And he, like David says, he deserves our adoration and praise. <clears throat> also, David says, uh, God is a God who satisfies our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. And, you know, not only, you know, like Matthew was praying in the prayer this evening, not only has he blessed us with the necessities of this life, but we have the necessities of this life in abundance. And we have many luxuries, especially in this country. Now we have to be careful that they don't become distractions and you know, when I'm thinking about how God renews our youth as the eagle, you know, one of the things that I think about first is the elderly members of our congregation, you know, Ruth and Louise and others, uh, men and women that we know suffer, you know, constantly from aches and pains and, uh, and from loss, but 
every time that I see them, they have a smile on their face and they're asking, you know, how are you doing and how's your family doing? And uh, you would never really know how much they're suffering uh, from just what you're able to observe. And I believe that the main reason for that positive attitude is their faith and the benefits that we get from God being who he is. Uh, they know that God's promises are real. They know that uh, his love is uh, just as real as it was when they were youngsters. It hasn't changed any. Um, they know that they're surrounded by people in the church who love them. Uh, and these are things that, you know, even when we're going through hard times, even when we're in our later years and, uh, you know, we may not feel like we're the captain of our own ship anymore, um, these are things that can give us comfort and can renew our strength and uh, renew our vigor a bit. So uh, certainly something worth praising and adoring God for that is something that, you know, we can carry with us throughout all of our days, whether we're teenagers or whether we're over 100 years old or wherever it is. Also, uh, David mentions that the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. So, so many times through the Old Testament, we can read of God's lifting up of the lowly. Uh, he doesn't turn a blind eye to anyone suffering, whether it's a nation or whether it's an individual. Uh, we read of this with the children of Israel uh, when they were enslaved in Egypt. We can read of God's word uh, regarding his people when they had been taken into captivity. Uh, he isn't unaware of our suffering. And generally, oppression of God's people comes with or comes from their habitual disobedience and rebellion against his will. You know, that's why they were carried into uh, captivity in Babylon in the first place. Uh, but we see time and time again, and, you know, even before it happened, you know, God laid out uh, how it was going to work. That, you know, if they disobeyed and uh, he continued to, you know, try to chastise them and turn them back to him. Uh, but if they continued to refuse, then he would allow them to be carried away. But then he followed that up immediately with saying, but if they will turn back to me and if they will repent and if they will love me, then, you know, I will, I will uh, free them from that and I will bring them back and I will bless them greatly. And that's not something that was just a promise to, you know, those in the Old Testament. That's something that is a promise to us as well through, you know, obedience to the gospel and the second law of pardon. Um, you know, he lays out what's going to happen if we disobey, uh, but he always makes it clear that, um, if we will make up our minds to to love him and serve him as we should, then he's always there to uh, to pick us back up again. He's ready and, and waiting to provide deliverance for his people. And we definitely should be grateful that God looks out for us when we're in need of his strong hand. And, you know, all of these benefits that David listed are very encouraging and they should bring us all a bit of a sigh of relief to read through those and you know god is watching out for our well-being he knows what's best for us but when you say oh no i knew there had to be a catch in there somewhere it sounded too good to be true um you know david qualifies this list of benefits that god provides in verses 17 and 18 uh, saying that he provides them to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So, you know, if I want to get paid, you know, I have to show up to work and I have to do my job. I have to follow the procedures and policies and rules and all those things. And 
you know, I, do I ever think twice about that? About my employer being unreasonable. I got well, I gotta show up today to get a paycheck. Are you kidding me? Like that's not a thought that enters our mind because we know that that's reasonable. That's what we signed up for, that's what we agreed to. Uh, if my kids want good things, they have to obey me and they have to obey their mama. Well, is that unreasonable? No, it's not unreasonable, obviously. And God is willing to provide us this list of all these great benefits, but it's only if we're going to keep his covenant and remember his precepts and to do them. So we have to make sure that we're aware of what they are in the first place, that we're you know, doing our job to, to get into his word and to study it and understand what he expects of us so that we can know what we need to do and what not to do. And once we understand it, we have to have the discipline and the integrity to always follow those uh, principles that he's set up for us and to be obedient to him. And, you know, it's not unreasonable. <clears throat> it's not too hard for us to do. Is it always easy? No. Uh, but for the occasional time that we fail, if God sees that we repented, like we said, and we're doing our best to serve him, then, as we already discussed, he's ready and willing to pardon our iniquities and to shower us with his loving kindness and compassion uh, that we've mentioned going through this psalm. So at the beginning of this study, we mentioned how, you know, Nate had discussed God's sovereignty. Uh, in the last study, uh, last Sunday morning, uh, God deserves our devotion even when we're going through hard times because he's God. And David recognizes this in verse 19 where he writes, The Lord has established the throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. And in verses 20 through 22, David once again directs all of heaven and earth to bless the Lord, to kneel before him, uh, to adore him, and to praise him. So, you know, when we're sad or depressed, it's very comforting to know that, you know, just in general, uh, that somebody cares for us. <clears throat> uh, somebody loves us and somebody understands, you know, what we're going through. There have been so many times that I'm still trying to learn this lesson uh, as a husband. So many times that I come in and Kaylee will just, you know, be all flustered from the day and she's uh, just had a bad day and she's all stressed out. So, <clears throat> you know, I come in, I'm like, okay, well, what was what was the problem? And so she lays out her day and then I immediately start, you know, like going through, okay, well, what are the things that we can do different in the future to make sure this doesn't happen again or we can handle it better going forward? And it never solves the problem. Like any time that I try to go about it that way, it seems like it makes it worse. And most of the times it ends the conversation with her just telling me, hey, look, I, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to understand what I'm going through. And I just need you to, you know, acknowledge that you love me and you care about me and you just, you know what's happening. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to, you know, lay out some 10-point plan of go through this and maybe we won't deal with this in the future. Just tell me you love me, hug me, um, show me you care about me, and, and I'll be fine. And I'll get up tomorrow and I'll do it again and it'll be great. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's just what we need when we're anxious, when we're depressed is, uh, you know, maybe our situation continues down the same path that it was as far as our physical health or uh, whatever else it may be, but uh, just knowing that somebody cares for us and they love us can make all the difference. So, you know, reading through <clears throat> this psalm shows us that we we certainly have someone, we have the one, and he loves us, God loves us, he cares about us, he knows what we're going through, and he cares about us greatly, 
as is evidenced by all the benefits that David discusses in this psalm. Uh, he forgives us. He redeems our lives. He's loving, merciful, compassionate, mindful of the oppressed, a giver of good things, and a provider of healing. And if we'll dwell on these things, then we can find the strength that we need to keep moving forward. And as Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And, you know, that's uh, the perfect plan for us, you know, if we want to live with contentment and to live, you know, as free from anxiety as we can is know a lot of times we kind of bring it on ourselves because we we make the decision that that's just what we're going to focus on and we don't get ourselves out of that rut but if we will follow this advice and we will focus on those things that are good and pure and true and on God's word and all these benefits that uh, we have from being a child of God's then we have a much greater chance of loving life and seeing good days